0: before this episode starts i just want to quickly apologize for my mic quality it's really not the best so i'm really sorry about that and the whole echoing you might hear and we also wanted to quickly thank Isra for um, being able to make the time to talk about palestine and also uh, provide us with so much knowledge and resources if you guys want any of the resources they will be linked in the description of this podcast and also on our socials um, it would be just me and Isra doing this podcast together uh, Ricky will be showing up in the future. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it. Uh, welcome back to Struggling Optimist. Uh, <laughs> this week, we're going to basically be talking about what is currently going on in Palestine. And uh, since Ricky and I aren't like, Palestinian, we thought it'd be better to bring on our Palestinian friend who has been on our podcast before, Isra, and we're going to dive into what's going on uh, there and as well as um, answer a couple of questions on how you could probably help and get educated about the situation. So first we're going to talk about like uh, background information about what's going on in Palestine, so Isra
1: hi uh thanks for having me again <laughs> um so okay i guess we're like the first bit of background information that we're going to be starting with is al Nakba, which is the event you know that occurred between 1947 to 1949 and al Nakba in arabic refers to the catastrophe so In November 1947, uh, tensions between Zionist Jews and Palestinians were escalating in Palestine, and the Arab Higher Committee's proposal for a unified democratic state was rejected. The Zionists' proposal for dividing Palestine into Jewish and Arab states was also rejected. Um, Following this, uh, Israel goes on and takes 78% of historic Palestine. Israeli forces destroy Palestinian villages and murdered Palestinian people, uh, between 70 to 155 massacres were committed and 531 villages were destroyed. Uh, this ethnic cleansing of, led to seven hundred, basically the expel, expelling of 750,000 Palestinians. And uh, in 1948, many Palestinians fled to the region of Gaza. So, yeah, that's a little bit background on what the Nakba is.
0: Yeah. So basically, this issue, it has been going on for a very long time. As you know, it's like El Nakba occurred in 1948, 49. So the thing is, like, what kind of blew it up right now and it became such a big movement is like what's going on in Sheikh Jarrah which is currently there have been evictions happening around uh, Sheikh Jarrah, which is considered to be a land that was actually dedicated towards the Palestinians under like the UN Act. And right now there's evictions happening and Palestinian families are being evicted. There are six homes that are said to be evicted and they're going to be replaced with Israeli settlers. Um, Protests have been starting from like March of the return in 2018. And have occurred with Israeli soldiers um, attacking and killing many Palestinians and the other thing that's like really scary about this whole situation is the fact that like they're actually taking like uh, control of like the media narrative um and there have been attacks on like journalists and there's also been attacks on medics. Recently the Al-Aqsa mosque which is considered to be like one of the holiest mosques in the religion of Islam and Uh, During the month of Ramadan, Israeli um, forces decided to attack it, and there were 20 uh, people that were actually killed during the airstrike, and there were 330 injured and 250 people um, hospitalized. So on top of all of that, the police actually entered the mosque and they fired like rubber bullets and um, stun grenades. So Israel's attack on worshippers in Jerusalem, and it escalated to ethnic cleansing in Sheikh Jarrah. Um, But yeah. Right
1: now, is Israel's control over Palestinian people. Uh They have complete control over the water supply. They're Uh bombing infrastructure and preventing repair. The farmland is routinely sprayed with herbicides. Um, Trade Mm -hmm. is blocked between Palestinian cities. Israeli goods can enter the Palestinian markets without trade barriers, but Palestinian goods are subject to trade barriers. Palestinian mm-hmm. tax revenues are withheld. Students are prevented from receiving higher education. Israel can arbitrarily suspend permits, um, preventing movement. There is a legal annexation of, of forcing Palestinians into reserves. And um, Israeli officials have admitted to calculating the calorie intake going into Uh, so that Palestinians stay on the brink of starvation so
0: yeah so that's like that's just to outline how much control Israel has over the Palestinian people but let's get into the questions which is why I'm here um what are like some myths that you would like to like debunk or make clear before we actually get started on this whole situation
1: yeah so there's actually three major like the, the three most like common myths that i hear is that one before israel occupied palestine it was just a desert they made it bloom and uh so on and so forth that's the first one the second one i'll be debunking is the myth that being anti-zionist is anti-semitic and the third and final one is that uh the lgbtq community in palestine like or even the like LGBT community from not living in Palestine. If you go there, you'll get killed. They hate you, etc. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we can begin with the first one. Um, So, what I want to say in regard to um, the Israel, uh, sorry, uh, Israel made, um, sorry, the land, the desert bloom. Actually, it was not a desert before occupied Israel was created and nor did they make it bloom because Palestine was actually known for its agriculture and farming. And that's what initially attracted Britain uh, in the early early 1900s. So as we know, Palestine was part of the Ottoman Empire and um, uh, the Muslims essentially ruled it from the end of the Christian Crusade, crusade, sorry, um, in the mid 1300s all the way up until the First World War in 1918. And the land was rural. Um, And then obviously the Palestinians living there, they were not using like, you know, advanced farming or Western European techniques. And uh, a lot of the, farming and agriculture that was going on there was whatever was was whatever was available to them right and so uh the main agriculture pastime was grazing and the main exports from this were leather skins and wool and um much of the land in Palestine was actually suitable for Grazing just because of like the environment. That's just how it was set up. Um, And so when Zionists moved into Palestine, um, beginning in the like early 1900s um, to the mid 30s, um, the ideas about like Western advanced Western, you know, farming techniques um, did not, you know, align with the type of farming that was actually going on by indigenous Palestinians at the time like uh specifically grazing and so they didn't even rec- they didn't recognize uh grazing as like a farming technique and that's why they um refer so even though the land um, had been used for grazing with their through their western eyes they looked at it as like a wasteland and desert and so that is why we have that myth coming up
0: I also think like before um like I think there's, like, that common, uh, like, misconception that, like, it was empty almost, like, the way that, like, Israel talks about that piece of land and, like, the civilization there being completely empty is, like, completely wrong. Like, there were actual, like, there's photos from, like, the 1940s showing, like, a fully developed civilization occurring and happening and people running their own government and having their own established institutions, so... It's such a common misconception. It's almost like they label it like that land was just there, for free, and no one was there, and it just for sure. Okay, but it. like so, honestly, like if you like going
1: by that logic, where did Palestinians come? From? Like I I don't understand where mm-hmm. like the seven hundred and fifty thousand people you expelled came from. Like did they just like like come from, out of thin air? Like I, I don't know. It yeah. doesn't really make sense to me, but
0: exactly. Um, I I also really want to talk about uh, pink propaganda.
1: So for those unfamiliar with what pinkwashing is, it's a term used to describe the action of using gay-related issues in a positive way in order to distract, like, attention from negative actions done by an organization, country, or government. So um, there was actually, like, an article by Troy Masters, who's, like, the co-founder of, like, Gay City News, and like he said that when he visited Palestine he was like speaking on the story of like where there was literally like groups of like um gay and lesbian Palestinians and like Ramallah who were literally like inviting him to dinner and there was like queer cafes he mentioned like LaVey um where like like that was like one of the main ones he was at and right now in the West Bank there's like no laws that currently criminal criminalize homosexuality but he um and he even mentioned how like ironically um there was he noticed that there was an Israeli intelligence who was offering like a like gay Palestinian men free entry to Israel if they spy on Palestinians so that's like one way that they weaponize you know um the sexual identity of Palestinians uh against their own people and um additionally a lot of people will like specifically, you know, put a lens on like Gaza um, and why it doesn't have LGBTQ rights. But that's because, first of all, Gaza is literally um, not able to place or create laws because it's literally under like, it's ruled by the British mandate laws, right? And so the same Mm -hmm. laws that like fund the Zionist groups, right? And so um, they're unable to make laws in place even because it's owned by Britain, right? And so being gay in, has actually been legal in Palestine since 1951, and Israel's only been recognized and legal since 1981. So first of all, that just proves that, um, you know, being gay in Palestine has long existed, like, sorry, long been in place long before Israel has even been legal. And also, to this day, gay marriage is illegal in Israel, and the laws against... Um, like gay marriage are actually in place by Israel's government but like we said they put on this show that like oh we have like gay pride and um we we accept everyone but actually no, their policies say otherwise and so at the end of the day the laws against homosexuality in Gaza were not placed by Palestinians they were actually placed by uh Britain (laughs) you know as is everything else so it's a really common misconception that people think that
0: I also uh, think another like I've been watching a lot of experiences of Palestinian queer uh, individuals who ended up going to Israel and they talk about how their experience is a lot worse um, because they're faced with double discrimination almost because as much as like Israel puts up this propaganda around um having like such a great like queer community there is a huge amount of discrimination within israel and its own systems and its society and then on top of that they face like double discrimination because uh the pal because they're palestinian so um they were talking about how it's almost worse for them to be queer in um, israel comparatively and there's also a bunch of like um israel israeli um individuals who are like anti-government and how they're talking about how much worse it is for a Palestinian to be queer in Israel comparatively. So exactly. it's yeah. really interesting to me to see how like they use that as such like a flex to like be like oh we're so much more progressive and da 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 like but like at the end of the day none of that really has to do with what's really going on and what they're really doing to the Palestinian people so it's almost like a distraction.
1: Um, oh for sure yeah and like yeah. like I mentioned like it's literally Palestine like Palestinian territories West Bank that actually mm-hmm. you know basically has laws like you're you're allowed to be like you know gay or like like it's legal to be gay and everything like you're not punished or criminalized um whereas ironically enough the people that are like you know using this type of propaganda they literally don't have like they have sorry laws in place against it so yeah
0: yeah also like not to like be offensive or anything but like when i like when the people of like in gaza and the people in the west bank are fully being terrorized and being kicked out of their home i don't necessarily think they're focusing on lgbtq plus rights as much as like they're facing they can't even have access to like their basic needs in life so they're not going to be forcing and enforcing and things to harm other marginalized communities that are living among them. So very common misconception. But yeah. The third yeah. one
1: was the, um, you know, the the myth that like being anti-Zionist is anti-Semitic.
0: Yes. All right. So what are your thoughts on that situation? On this whole anti-Semitism propaganda that's actually being like pushed? So, it's this narrative, right? From Israel. So. There's obviously like
1: we can, you know, like later later on in the episode dive into uh the whole anti-Semitic card that's pulled out, but mm-hmm. um like I do want to focus on specifically when you criticize like the Zionist ideology when and then you're you're told that you're anti-Semitic. So like just like from my own experience and like literally the past like three weeks that this has been going on and even if you attempt to engage in conversation with them which i now figured out is like completely useless it's equivalent to talking to a wall but anyways um the the three um there's three main like arguments involving this so the first argument that i'm told is that like you know being against Zionism is anti-semitic because like it literally will deny jews of like its own state you know it's its own state to be their own people but that literally does not that's that's not true nor is it anti-semitic because there's so many groups of people on earth that literally do not have their own states like from Kurds to like Catalan's to Scots to Kashmir's like if none of these people had their own their own state but you don't see people walking around being like oh uh, it's like anti-Kurd or anti-Kashmir or you do you know what I mean and so criticizing the government is really government is not anti-Semitic because you're literally speaking in regard to the government and also no like Jews having their own state is not like a racist thing because like there's there's so many other group, like, basically, they're making it out to seem that, they're, like, they're the only marginalized group of people that doesn't have their own state, but that's not true, um, and the second argument that I hear is that, like, um, how are you, like, they'll tell me, like, okay, yeah, sure, um, Israel, was, Israel was created um, by stealing land or whatever, but, like, right now, currently, this day and age, like, there's, like, 9 million citizens, like, where do you want them to leave, where do you want them to go, but, like, like I said before, um, it's definitely not anti-Semitic to be criticizing a state that is trying to create a new state for people that is based on like, you know, the ethnic cleansing of another group of people. And by the way, I really want to make it clear that no one is telling Israelis to leave. Like, I, I really think they forget that. Like, you were obviously born there. you It's its not your fault. Like you have nothing to do with this. This is bigger than you, right? And so mm-hmm. like, no, we do not want to kill you. We don't want you gone. Yeah. We, you you were born here. So you have the right to live here. You have the right to do whatever you want. It's just, we want equal rights. That's the second mm-hmm. thing. And honestly, the final thing is that um, people will tell you that you're anti-Semitic because anti-Zionism is... Um, equal to anti-semitism like they literally go together they're you can't you can't differentiate them but um, that's just false because right now anti-zionism and anti-semitism they do not always go together Um, it's really easy to find like anti-semitism among people who are extremely far from zionism and we clearly seen that at the protests you know where you have like orthodox jews from like all over the world coming out and protesting and uh, being against anti-zionism so are you gonna go ahead and tell them that they're anti-semitic that yeah to themselves like do you know what yeah. I mean and so that's 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 really what's um important here to be able to make those distinguish uh, sorry the, yeah. that distinction.
0: I think it's really interesting because it all comes down to like how people keep equating Judaism to Zionism. And that's almost like equating Islam to ISIS in some format, because I know that's a strong, bold <laughs> like statement to take, but it's almost equating a religion to the worst possible connotation of it. I don't know, exactly. I feel like yeah. it's so weird to me how people keep equating the two, and I'm like, it, it's really not, like, it's almost like saying like the KKK and Christianity are the same thing they're not like we're really not for for that you know so it's a very extremist group for a religion that's really what you make a really good point no one is saying that we want all the Israelis to leave I think what everyone in this entire like fight is trying to achieve is coexistence in peace and people want to be able to live on their ra- land that they were rightfully given by a lot, by the government and everyone else, and by the UN. So I don't know. It's so it's like it's such a simple concept if you boil it down, but people are making it so complicated. And that's my other thing. What do you feel about like people making it such a complicated issue? Like they're saying it's such a complex issue, like surrounding in terms of its narrative because personally
1: I feel like it is but you know here's the thing right Mm. at the end of the day it doesn't matter if it's complicated or not that's that's what people are unable to recognize while we sit here and you know debate terminology semantics history who was indigenous thousands of years ago um people are dying so that's at the end of the day it, it is complex yes it is complex but that's not a good enough reason to be like, yeah, I can't get educated because it's so complicated. It's actually it's actually not that difficult to see which side is being oppressed and which side is the oppressor. And you don't need to have a PhD in the history of Palestine and whatnot in order to recognize ethnic cleansing. So at the end of the day, yes, it is complex, but does that matter? No, it doesn't.
0: Yeah. I feel like um, one of the most key important things, like you said, is that at the end of the day, who was there before or first doesn't really matter when there's lives being lost right now. So uh, I kind of, we kind of touched on this, but like, what are your like actual like thoughts about the prevalent arguments surrounding anti-Semitism during the discussion of like Israel's actions? And like, similarly, what are the thoughts on the arguments of like the religion itself?
1: So I mean, obviously, as a Palestinian, that literally, like anything I say, it's it's like using, anti-se- using anti-Semitism against pro-Palestinians, um, both Palestinians and allies, while we're speaking on genocide and ethnic cleansing is both disgusting and deplorable because simply because they're weaponizing the anti-Semitism card. Because while anti-Semitism is a very, very real issue, um, which, by the way, every single person that is pro-Palestine recognizes, uh, using it and bringing it up in the context of pro-Palestine discussion is actually anti-Semitic and does um, critical damage to the actual cause of anti-Semitism. This is anti-Semitic because when um, Zionists weaponize this against us, they're inherently completely disregarding, one, the fact that Palestinian Jews exist. And as the pro-Palestine movement Uh, as the pro-Palestine movement quite obviously includes them. And two, you cannot tell a group that is oppressed that them speaking up about their oppressors is oppression. It's just a logical fallacy. And um, Mm -hmm. additionally, I don't think that Zionists realize that the ideology of Zionism is actually anti-Semitic itself, because Zionism is, at this stage, whether they like to hear it or not, um, is a racist, evil and fascist ideology that's aimed at wiping out a group of indigenous people. And although the definition of anti-Semitic only, is only in regard to crimes against Jews and um, it is technically anti-Semitic to wipe out and ethnically cleanse those that are not only Semites by definition, but also include Jews, D- do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. really the use of that card is just—it's just, it just shows, actually more of who they are than it does for us because you know a lot of them won't even you, you know they'll actually weaponize that card even against Jews that do speak up about uh yeah. that, are, that are pro-Palestine. Yeah. I also do want to mention that um like you know just as uh Black uh Jew- Jews um exist so actually yeah. Afro-Palestinians are very very much present like a lot of people don't know this a lot of people like part of you know a lot of black individuals primarily in like the states who are like you know i'm pro-israel don't actually know that there's like a large um large group of like afro-palestinians that have existed in palestine like literally since the seventh century when Mm -hmm. like muslim africans would come from like nigeria and senegal and sudan to Mm -hmm. Mecca they would pass through in Jerusalem Mm -hmm. right obviously because it's a holy site and um, Mm -hmm. there was like obviously marriage between Palestinian women and whatnot and so um, uh, because of that there is cities now actually dedicated for like not dedicated but like like high populations of Afro-Palestinians reside in different cities um, with large communities in like Jerusalem, Gaza, and West Bank of Jericho. And uh, one large specific community is called uh, Afrika, which is African quarter, right? And it's literally in um, the uh, Muslim quarter of the old city adjacent in the Al-Aqsa Mosque but basically a lot of people don't don't know that that's literally not public knowledge it's very hard to find unless you Mm -hmm. you know you really go get educated yourself but it's really disgusting that like not only are they like obviously doing like horrific atrocities against like Palestinians like I won't even go into the list but it's also against so many other different communities you know black community LGBTQ plus community like countless countless communities being violated
0: by them. Yeah, and I think that's like it's like once we start to take apart their narrative, once we actually really start to pay attention to like what is going on, like you really start to see how there's multiple issues, and that's where it becomes a problem. This is where we have to realize that like, hey, we can no longer be silent about the situation. Like, it's really the time to speak up and like tear apart the narrative that Israel has really been putting up for so long. Um, on that note of like, you know, their constant propaganda, like, I just want to talk about like, what are your thoughts on like Hamas and how like Israel really uh, justifies its numerous amount of missiles and, you know, evictions and constant terrorization of the Palestinian people uh, by saying that Hamas is a terrorist organization.
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, my thoughts regarding Hamas is that I'm not, you know, I'm not out here claiming that they're perfect by no means, Mm -hmm. you know, but people need to understand that labeling it as a terrorist organization is wrong when it's literally a resistance group created in response to the terrorist army of IDF. Because between the years of 1948 and 1960, sorry, 1948 to 1986, Hamas didn't
0: exist. And so-
1: And so, how are you going to justify all those killings between those years? Literally, Hamas would not exist. This terror, this quote-unquote terrorist organization would not exist if it, um, if ID, literally IDF and Israel didn't exist. Like it's, it's literally a response yeah. group. And because there's always the argument that you know Hamas is a terrorist group, it literally doesn't make sense if you look at the clear history of of how it was literally made in response. And additionally, when Hamas was created in um, uh, 1987, people forget that Hamas was funded by Israel. This isn't just a cons- conspiracy theory, because literally, if you listen to like former um, Israeli officials like Briggen, um, who was literally the Israeli military governor in Gaza in the early, early 1980s, this is public information, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. He told New York Times reporter that he helped finance the Palestinian Islamist movement, that's what they call them, to counterweight um as a count ca- sorry as a counterweight to the um secularists and leftists of the Palestine Liberation Organization. And um they he he later said that the Israeli government gave me a budget and um that the military government uh gi- yeah. sorry gives it the sorry and there he confessed that and the military government gives it to Mos. So Hamas is created was actually funded and created by israel and a lot of people do not understand that because you know um if you can you can even when speaking with zionists about this you know if you're if you're so anti hamas right like you know the that stupid hashtag like oh free palestine from hamas okay if you're so against hamas right then wouldn't you technically shouldn't you technically be an anti-zionist because hamas was only created as a response to literally like the Zionist movement, wiping its people out. All it's doing is just as you claim you have, you know, a right to self-defense, that's exactly what it's doing. That's exactly what it's doing. And so, like I said, at the end of the day, yeah, it's it's not perfect, but we know where it really came from.
0: I think people have to understand um, like the state of Palestine and like how, how deprived it, uh, it was and it currently still is of support from the outside world so when you keep oppressing and oppressing and oppressing like people can only take so much till they want to retaliate right and they want to save themselves and with no like none of like the Muslim world really showing any like support or like providing any support the Palestinian people are gonna try to defend themselves in one way or another the roots of Hamas were actually considered to be it's it's a defense like they need to defend themselves from all of these mass bullets and like missiles that are being hit at them so it's not it's almost like any minority defense system that has been created or defense organizations that have been created over um over the past like century like there have been so many like even within Sri Lanka um like when the Tamil Tigers essentially started it started off with a really good base it was to bring in like uh, representation for the Tamil community within Sri Lanka because they were being um, basically ignored so in that sense and they were being prejudiced so much um, I think it's really important to understand uh, the complexity like surrounding Hamas and surrounding it because if you think about it like they can't be funded on their own too so I mean, they can't yeah, exactly. have all these arms on their own you have to really think about it like where are they getting this from <laughs> and especially put it when together. you have like
1: yeah especially when you have like actually like israeli religious affair officials israeli um you know military officials literally telling you like they're yeah. publicly making this inf- like doing saying this publicly that like yeah we created it we funded it we yeah. wanted it you know as an excuse to like pretty much cover up murder that's essentially what yeah. it was and and so at this day and age and to, to promote
0: like, murder too right because yeah, they for, it's the reason sure. why they keep you know putting missile after missile it's it's really important to realize how like how like how little protection Palestinians have like Israel really has an iron dome defense system. Like a missile rarely gets through that system. It is extremely hard to get through that system. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even more than that, like there's literally been academics, like like yeah. like professional academics who have literally been like, Hey, we've actually looked over like, you know, the Hamas, like Charter of Rights or whatever it is. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I haven't gone on my gone out of my way to download it, but they've literally mm-hmm. said nothing when you look at it nothing in that charter states that it's basically goal is to like wipe out jews like they they actually do not say that anywhere they don't like you know not that i'm justifying that they're what they're doing but i'm just saying that like academics have literally told you this and so like literally in their thing it states that like we were like the basically the point of us is to like defend palestinians literally yeah because no one
0: is no one is doing that like it's like no one is helping the Palestinian people. There isn't any form of assistance anywhere. Like, I, like that's the thing that also irks me the most is because like what's happening in Sheikh Jarrah right now and what happened to Al-Aqsa, there is a huge Muslim population in this world. Like we have a significant population and and we have a lot of powerful countries that are fully muslim or like have muslim ties and they could be doing so much more than what they're doing right now to help the palestinian people but instead they're letting them you know be completely defenseless there's no protection for them whatsoever there's nothing like given to them and it's an open yeah yeah it's literally like what do you expect these people to do do you expect them to sit there and continuously take it and like let their children be you know ripped out of their like hands like watch their children die like watch their parents die like you I mean, expect that to um, keep occurring yeah i mean it's, like
1: let's be reminded that that's literally what Palestinians were doing between 1948 and 1986. That's literally why Hamas was created. because It's yeah. exactly how you said, you know, we've gone down this road of, okay, I guess like, you know, Palestinians won't fight back. They'll just sit there. But even then, so many killings, so many evictions, so yeah. many human rights violations. And so there was no other option. It was literally like, there's no other option.
0: There is no other option. They're fighting the fourth uh, strongest army in the world. Like, this isn't, and they're the strongest army in the Middle East like you think they're gonna like they need something people like they really need something (laughs) they can't just keep going on like this you know there has to be some form of a defense system so um on their part but yeah i i think it's really like you have to really pay attention to the roots and you have to understand what it could be like to live in this form of oppression and be denied help from all ends so yeah um on that part do you feel like with what's going on right now and you know the constant social media the protests and like how do you feel about that essentially and like do you feel like it's really helpful towards the whole movement and do you feel like it's diluting it kind of or do you feel like it's misinformation as well or where do you lie um
1: so so here's the thing i think that it is incredibly helpful and as a matter of fact it's the only way of help as far as like people that are not living currently based in Palestine right and um, Mm -hmm. this is because as we know the all all western media outlets are biased towards Zionists they're literally like funded and controlled by Israel and so when when they're reporting about like you know what's happening between Israel and um, Palestine like or sorry Gaza they'll literally just be like the conflict the war the like trying to make it seem like it's like equal when it's completely not that as we know and so the Mm -hmm. only way that we're able to get the real news out the truth out is through um social media platforms and Mm -hmm. ironically enough we see that um this is working because and they're starting to lose their narrative because um they're you know like um they're starting to censor things on social media platforms so if Mm. if They weren't trying to cover something up. Why are are social media platforms currently trying to censor what's going on? And um, additionally, even Palestinians that are like, you know, um, based on the ground, that's what we say, like literally like live are currently live streaming everything, uploading videos, tweeting, whatever it may be. Are telling you that it's so effective that it's actually they've started to release people that were arrested. They've started to like you know, kind of get a little bit intimidated because they're losing their narrative so fast. And so, um it is. And this is the most like attention I would say that this um like what's going on in like West Bank has ever gotten. And so, finally we're getting the word out. And I, as sad as it is, I know that the hype of it is now dying down. But I really, I really hope that it can continue to be spread because they're they're afraid I will say that like they are afraid of losing that narrative you know and this is the only way to get the truth out
0: yeah I think um like you could see how afraid they are of like the narrative when they're going and literally bombing uh media buildings um that are based in uh Gaza and like they're literally going and you know destroying like um Al Jazeera Like, they're telling all of these, they're threatening reporters, they're threatening journalists, they're threatening so many people um, that are trying to let the world know what's going on. I think also, um, like, personally speaking, I feel like a lot of people I know that are like this used to be such a like a Muslim problem or an Arab problem. I was actually like,
1: um yeah, yes. I was just about to say that. Like you know, so yeah. many and the reason you know it's working is that so many people who are like either neutral or like non-Arab, non-Palestinian, non-Muslim, yeah. um, are now finally being like, oh wow, I'm, yeah. I was not aware of this.
0: Yes, like, and I think that's such a like I think that's such a beautiful thing because people are getting really educated, and like this is not this is not a Muslim issue, this is not like an Arab issue, this is very much a humanitarian issue. This is people getting oppressed right in front of our eyes for their ethnicity, you know. So I feel like it's it's so great to see that happening and I feel like if it wasn't for social media I know so many people wouldn't be educated regarding this topic and wouldn't like find out ways to like help and you know support Palestine and like bring it up as a discussion now in like all of our government circles and like basically our whole community as a whole too so I don't know. I, I personally felt like it was really helpful. I think also people are getting really informed on like how small Palestine is like as in like the Gaza Strip and the West Bank because I, a lot of my friends they thought it was like a big area but like you have to realize like all of this bombing and all of this like atrocity that is occurring from like the IDF and also like all the missiles being hit on the Gaza Strip. Like the Gaza Strip is literally a strip that's only 40 kilometers long and literally 12 kilometers like wide like we're talking like this size of Brampton it's extremely, densely,
1: po- it's, yeah, it's extremely it's, densely populated with like yeah. two million people
0: yeah and that is a very small area that all of this is occurring and that's all pretty much the only land that's given to them at this point because the West Bank I think people are getting more educated about like how big this issue is but also how little the Palestinian people have and like A lot of people, they're like reaching out to me and they're telling, and they're like, you know, they're discussing like how like they don't have access to like water or electricity or like their basic needs. And they didn't think it was like that complex of an issue. Like they didn't realize that like most people only have like access to like four hours of electricity and that itself is controlled by Israel. So it's really like they're stripping so many rights. And then on top of that, you know, Palestinian people don't have like their own passports because they can't get a passport from Israel and Palestine's not recognized as a state to actually have a passport from that nation so there's so exactly even like many... when the, um
1: yeah even people just finding out right now that like the un literally said that like by 2020 um Gaza would not be inhabitable right in like yeah. it's 2021 you know so yeah
0: it's it's so there's so many people worrying and I think it's such a thing I think um you know the concept of social media being ineffective is not it's it's not true especially we see it with our own eyes in this situation with like global protests happening all across the world and people coming out and showing their support for Palestine um on that note um how do you feel about like celebrities that don't really talk about Palestine is it better to like avoid the spread of misinformation or like white savior complex basically? Or would you prefer they share posts and like discuss the topic? Yeah,
1: so um, the thing is uh, with these celebrities, like I understand if like, you know, whatever, like the first few days of whatever was going on, you didn't say anything because maybe you weren't aware, you needed time to get educated and um, whatnot. And then you can make a statement, but I think like by far the worst worst types of like celebrities are those that like either took the time to get educated or didn't take the time to get educated, and then they come up with a neutral statement because it you, in order for you to have like to be neutral about the situation, you would have to have equality to both sides, right? And mm-hmm. so when one side is literally denied basic human rights like basic like we're talking like below below bare minimum then you can't be out here coming out with neutral statements because it's literally not doing anyone anything like you're literally not it's not progressive it's not it's counterproductive you're not doing anything you might as well not even make a statement at all at that point like you literally like you're just harming the movement so don't I I feel like it's absolutely ridiculous when these when these um celebrities are like, oh, you know, neutral, like, you know, I want to coexist. In order for coexistence to work, you would need mm-hmm. one side to recognize the other side as humans and not as uh literally like animals. Like the way the treatment that one side is getting is like they're animals. Like you literally will like it's it's beyond me. Like and so I, I really, I really get frustrated when I'm seeing these like when I'm seeing these um neutral statements because they're not doing anything. And um you know, if, yeah. if you take time, it, just don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just say that you're, you know, pro and like move on. Literally move on.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like in this day and age when there's like regular people in our own like timelines and like our own friend circles that are like willing to get educated and put their time and effort into getting educated about this topic before they put a post out, I feel like celebrities could do that same courtesy before they do something or just don't say anything at all because you're not really helping if you're adding more fuel to the fire like of what's going on so um exactly
1: like and it's it's clear that a lot of that to be honest by the way I don't obviously this is like call me biased but I don't think that there's any justification as to why you're not saying anything about literally like like genocide happening in this day and age but I would rather you not say anything than say a neutral statement. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and it's obvious a lot of them value, um, you know, these money. It's, yeah. it's that sad to say, but like, it's it's, and you know what? What's so funny about a lot of these celebrities is that they're so big that even if they were to hypothetically lose some like, you know, brand deals, whatever it may be, they're still mm-hmm. so rich that it would like literally make like no impact on them whatsoever. And you know what? I'm at her, Kim Kardashian. That's who I'm talking about. <laughs> she literally has an entire, entire empire. She could lose every, to, right now, she could hypothetically lose every single brand deal she has going on and still be filthy rich until she dies. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so for her to make that type of statement, it was it was probably the worst one that I've seen personally. Because- I
0: also, yeah, I also see like, when, there's like, like sorry, yeah. there's also um like, sorry, since we're already talking about a celebrity, I also wanted to say like Rihanna, like when she made her statement. 100%. Yeah, I was, I was almost slightly disappointed because I remember back in the day, she definitely tweeted hashtag like free Palestine, but then she came out with this random neutral kind of statement. And I was like, like, it's clear that your investors are, you know, probably pro Israel or like, sorry, uh, like, Zionist at this point. But it's it's just it was really sad to, for her to use that big platform and then come out with a message something that was so neutral and it doesn't really add an effect to the whole entire movement because in her statement it literally didn't show that there was an oppressor and there's an oppressor and oppressed in the situation and that's what we really need to put up with that narrative and that's what celebrities really need to understand that there is an oppressed group of people that needs exactly. to be and- like
1: relieved. So. And you can see that a lot of them honestly don't, like, you know, they, they act like they care for activism, but first of all, it's selective activism or performative activism where they make neutral statements because they want to show that they look like activists, but they're not. And second of oh, all, and, and third of all, a lot of these um celebrities really don't give a shit about anyone but themselves because even the ones that were allegedly pro-Palestine retracted mm-hmm. their statements. And a lot of them you can see have gone ahead and made neutral statements. And the one person I'll bring up is uh, Mark Ruffalo, I think that's his name, the guy from that plays the Hulk in the Avengers or something. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, he has been pro-Palestine. He's made so many statements across whatever social platforms. And all of a sudden today, you know, we see him making this tweet where where he literally says hold on hold on i'm gonna literally pull up this tweet because mm-hmm. of the disapp- sheer disappointment that i was hit with okay so he said i have reflected and wanted to apologize for post during the recent israel hamas fighting fighting okay um mm-hmm. that suggested israel is committing genocide it's not it's not accurate it's not inflammatory sorry it's inflammatory disrespectful and it's used to justify anti-semitism and so with these statements what we see is oh i don't want to lose my job you know I don't yeah. want to or or, or or oh I'm being like like this is the type of control that they have over you and it's like don't even make any statements to begin with if you're just going to retract your statement and go ahead and make neutral ones
0: it's almost hurtful though because I'm like what led you to change your statement well, it's and alter it right regrets, like at this know? point yeah um it's really, it's great to see people who are non-Arab and who are non-Muslim that are celebrities also talking about this and advocating for, um, you know, the Palestinian people and, you know, being like free Palestine and like sharing these resources. And there have been so many, and I don't know, I feel like really appreciative of that because I feel like in any other time in history, we have never seen celebrities or like actual like, famous people that have, like, um, enough influence on, like, the mass population to talk about these issues, so. For
1: sure, yeah. yeah, it's especially because their platforms is not targeted towards, like you said, whether it's Arabs or Muslims or Palestinian yeah. demographic, and so it's a lot more effective.
0: Yeah, exactly, um, so on that note, like, any uh, Instagram pages or Twitter accounts uh, people can follow to get, like, yes. more information and updates on the current situation
1: yeah so um so on instagram uh some of the most informative pages is um i own palestine uh mm-hmm. impact for palestine i i will link all of these um let's yeah. talk palestine land palestine and then you also have muhammad and mona kurd on both instagram and twitter and then mm-hmm. oh and you also have maria uh, maria ali and subhitaha both on twitter and um sorry instagram and then specifically if you're looking at twitter um we have uh why philistine news press underscore en Mm -hmm. omar underscore gaza um that i honestly have such a long list i'm sorry but but these are a few like those those main ones um i will link all of this um like we can link all of these uh we're gonna link it
0: yeah um, we'll link all the sources on like um on the description of this podcast too as well as on our social media platforms so like if people if you guys want to like look into instagram pages or twitter accounts that you feel are like you know you want to learn more about things but like from
1: from my like um personal like experience my the by far by far the most informative are um Mohammed and Mona Kurd because they're literally like journalists from Sheikh Jarrah they've been living mm-hmm. there and they're they're currently live streaming and uploading every single thing going on on mm-hmm. both platforms and um you know uh they're still currently there like on the ground
0: yeah also like um uh, another thing is like uh web books like you have like you would recommend so that people could get educated on the topic i'm i'm pretty sure you could list a couple but we will also include that on a google doc and, and in the description there of was, this like podcast as well mm-hmm. but like what are your top recommendations? Yeah. um
1: so i don't i'm not sure if everyone's aware but there's actually a, like a list and it's circulating around i'm not sure if you've seen it shafa but um
0: mm-hmm.
1: so uh sorry let me pull up some of these um Books right i've now.
0: seen one on instagram where they have like it was like an inf- infographic. like that that's the one that yeah
1: yeah so um that is the one that is um co- currently going around but some popular ones is uh the question of palestine by edward said all of these mm-hmm. will be linked and then um israeli uh appetite and mm-hmm. this is by ben white and then you also have um years war on Palestine by Rashid Khal- Khalidi so yeah uh those are like the th- oh and a fourth really really good one is the ethnic cleansing of Palestine by Ilan Pape so those are like the top four that I would recommend
0: okay. but there is
1: like a long list that we will also add in
0: yeah definitely we will have like a google doc with all the pages and news outlets and also um books that you could read and follow to get educated on this topic um, it's really important to um, like get educated because if you don't then this conti- this issue would still be happening like you know in front of our eyes and more and more people will be dying over a cause that we could actually prevent in today's day and age um, on top of that I would I wanted to ask like um, what are like ways that people could actually donate and like financially help um, individuals in Palestine if they're able to
1: the best way of course there's like multiple you know organizations which we will list as well but Mm -hmm. the best way that you could help Palestinians financially is supporting Palestinian-based bit like uh, businesses based in Palestine um there is actually a uh, website for them I forget what it is but I will pull it up but mm-hmm. by that way you're directly contributing okay. to them because as we know 80% of funds that you know are given to Gaza are actually uh taken by Saudi military so yeah. um that's the best way that you can help them out
0: okay um uh sorry also on that note um uh like Another really important thing that you could be doing for Palestine or contributing is honestly sharing it on your own personal platforms and get the discussion going and educating people because, if anything, Palestinians really need exposure on what's going on right now and I think that's like one of the most important things so if you're not able to donate it's honestly that that would help a huge magnitude amount of like continuously talking about it and making sure it's not a topic that goes out of trend essentially um but yeah is there anything else you'd like to add
1: i mean i feel like we've uh hit all the m- the main points you know and um, yeah as for anyone that's still like you know a little confused on what's going on honestly just get educated, I would start with the resources that we're going to link. No, no, honestly, yeah. like if you're confused <laughs> yeah. about the like specific thing. Yeah. No, 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 about like um, things that we didn't cover. Um, yeah. There's it's all going to it's all you can all find it in the books that are linked in the pages that we listed. They're very informative. Honestly, they've even helped me out. Um, But yeah, that's that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah. OK,
1: Um. thank you again guys for having me you know letting my voice as a palestinian be heard without being you know gaslighted by zionists um (laughs) constantly um and then yeah uh like we said you know we listed the resources ways to help and uh yeah thanks for having me
0: yeah no thank you thank you so much for coming on here and really talking about the whole entire situation So that was our episode for this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in and we hope to see you again next week. Bye. Bye.